Sona, this was a very nice day today. It was. Because uh, over here at our headquarters, we got this great gift, Tillamook ice cream. I'm a monster for ice cream. I know you are too. I want to take a bath in it and then I want to eat Eat the ice in the eat the bath. Wait, what? I want to like bathe in it, yeah. but then I want to eat it as I'm bathing. In yeah, it. yeah, that's a simple concept. You made it much more complicated. I know, I'm sorry. Fill a bathtub with Tillamook ice cream. I will get in it, and then I will eat my way out. Yes, that's all okay, you need to there do. There you go. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have so many great. It's such good ice cream, and they have so many great flavors. I mean, just off the top of my head, I I don't know. Birthday cake, caramel swirl, banana split, caramel toffee crunch, chocolate chip, chocolate chocolate chip cookie dough. I think there's butter pecan cookies and cream, French vanilla, chocolate peanut butter. Malted moose shake, I think, is one. I can't remember too well. Mounted huckleberry, Tillamook mudslide, Marionberry pie, monster cookie, old-fashioned vanilla, Rocky Road, Oregon dark cherry, waffle cone swirl, peppermint bark. I'm, I don't, I'm just going off memory here, but <laughs> holiday sugar cookie, orange and cream. Anyway, so many great flavors and uh, just incredible. You know, they they really put, and they come in family-sized cartons. Mm. Also, you're in good hands with the Tillamook brand. They make over 200 different dairy products, and the brand is farmer-owned and led by dairy experts. Find Tillamook ice cream near you at Tillamook.com. I'm going to spell it for you. That's how much I care about this product. T-I-L-L-A-M-O-O-K.com. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hello, my name is Matthew Reese. I feel blank about being Conan O'Brien's friend. <laughs> Farley's here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello and welcome to Conan O'Brien. Needs a friend, Conan O'Brien here, but I guess that goes without saying. I do have a distinctive voice. <laughs> a, uh, not saying it's my my best feature, but uh, you know it when you hear it. Um, I've actually had many people in situations just hear my voice somewhere and say, Conan's here in this room somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah. You do have a very distinctive voice. Yeah, it's kind of pinched and reedy. You're so mean to yourself sometimes. I am, I am. But, no, uh, I think you have a great podcast voice. Well, thank you. That's that's nice. Uh, I, it's always been the, the aspect that I, I, I was always envious of other people's broadcasting voices and I always uh, didn't love mine. But um, but over time, you know, I uh, I think people have gotten used to it the way if you work in a factory with a horrible loud machine, eventually you don't hear that machine anymore. 
Um, I'm joined, as always, uh, by uh, Sonam of Sessian. Sona, nice to see you. Nice to see you. And uh, my uh, my good friend and, uh, well, producer extraordinaire, Matthew Gorley. I'm going to call you Matthew today. God, that's so, like, formal. Do you prefer Matthew or Matt? I think I prefer Matt. I feel like Matt's a boring name, but Matthew feels too fancy or something. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. No one calls someone Matthew unless that person insisted they be called Matthew. Or they're yeah. in trouble, like my dad. Yes. Yeah. Matthew. Yes, Matthew James Gorley. I don't care who started it. I'm going to finish it. <laughs> Right, like you were, oh, wow. like you were ever in a fight. <laughs> no, I don't mean a fight. You know, just, just a, yeah. with my sister. Did you and your sister used to squabble a lot? We have a really close relationship now, but man, we used to tangle. Yeah, we used to. I mean, I was one of six, and especially there was uh, my brothers and I used to fight quite a bit. Who would uh, win? Uh, well, that would be Neil. Okay, Neil's the oldest, and he actually had what do they call it? Strength. <laughs> he had strength. <laughs> Neil was really strong and big. He would just laugh and Luke and I would be wailing away at him. Our punches just bouncing off of him like if you were throwing paper planes at a battleship. He'd just be laughing and we would be pummeling him with our tiny fists that look like Cornish hens. And uh, they would just bounce off Neil and he would laugh and then he'd take both our heads and slam us together. <laughs> like, like the three stooges. Yeah, exactly. He'd knock us together and then toss us aside and he had a great dis- dismissive, derisive laugh. Oh. But I had a fun day yesterday, which is, and you know this, Sona, but we were trying to raise money for this charity and so I got together with some of my old bandmates, Jimmy Vivino yep. and Mike Merritt on bass mm-hmm. and uh, James Wormworth on drums and we just were banging out these songs and I was on guitar and I was having a really good time. And this is the kind of people I have in my life. I've had people say, well, do you ever think your ego is going to get the best of you? And I think I'm I'm surrounded by such talented, cruel people that can always deflate me in the perfect way. So I was really... (laughs) We recorded, a few weeks ago, we recorded a song and I was really happy about it. And I thought, hey, this actually sounds pretty good. This is, it's a Chuck Berry song and I was really kind of happy with it. And I was like, hey, I really like this. <laughs> and I, I <laughs> sent it to Matt O'Brien, no relation, but the head writer on the show, along with some other people to say, just check this out and tell me know what you think. And he, he wrote me back and all he did was send me a link to a commercial and I pressed on it and it was a bunch of guys my age rocking out with guitars and it was a it <laughs> was a one. it was a Viagra commercial <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they were oh, they no. were like viva viagra <laughs> and the thing is you don't know what it is at first so it's these guys no, I'm going to, roughly my age, I ran a guitar, and a guy's got a guitar, and he's like, I'm feeling good, and I want to be, I'm going to do my best, and then someone else, and, and it's, you know the way in commercials, oh. everyone's, it's always perfectly ethnically mixed. Yeah. So it's a guy who's got a friend the same age as me, and they're all the same at different races and nationalities. Oh, my God. And they're jamming and having a really good time, and then they get to the chorus, Viva! Viagra. <laughs> and um, man, that oh. was so hilarious and so mean. And all my excitement about jamming with my band oh. completely turned to shame. Oh, <laughs> That's brutal. It was brutal. That is brutal. And masterful. But those are the people in my life, you know. That's nice. No matter how big you get, 
you go home and it's like, okay. But also, I want to point out, even if I hadn't succeeded and had failed, I think they'd have gone out of their way to mock me then. They would come by to the alley that I live in and be like, nice alley. Oh, Oh, you sleeping in your urine or is that someone else's (laughs) urine? Come on, guys, cut it out. Uh, yeah. That so, explains a lot. It does. Well, anyway. Matt O'Brien, who is not related to you, acting like he is related. But also, he that's what any other writer on the show would have done yeah. that. What if he really thinks you need Viagra? What if that was the message? What? what? Well, Quarles, I, what? Life. First of all, I've made it very clear to everyone around me I need Viagra. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, um, I thank God that I have, that I'm surrounded by a staff that, uh, is, is very, uh, willing and very talented at humiliating me. Yep. We keep you grounded. Well, you not only keep me grounded, you then grind me down into the ground. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> you don't just keep me at ground level. You actually grind me down hundreds of feet beneath the soil. We make it worse. And pulverize yeah. me. Um, I, am, I am thrilled. I am thrilled uh, about our guest today. He is scary talented and charming. He won an Emmy for his portrayal of Russian spy Philip Jennings in the FX series, The Americans. He's also appeared in such films as A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood and The Post and stars in the HBO series, Perry Mason. Uh, I am just all kinds of thrilled uh, that he's with us today. Uh, I, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna, he's one of my 15 man crushes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I have 15. Yeah, yeah, me too. Actually, I think I have like 25 man crushes. I think you have a lot. I think I have a crush on most good looking men. Yes, yes. This might mean something. Anyway. <laughs> Matthew Reese, welcome. This is a, I think a first, which is I went out of my way to book you on the podcast myself. We've had the pleasure of talking to many great guests, and I think we've just been trading on whatever I've achieved in the last uh, 27, 28 years in this this cruddy business of ours. But you were someone that I was uh, at a dinner with uh, Mr. Rowan Jones, yes. who uh, is one of the giant brains behind Perry Mason, which mm. I absolutely, my wife and I adore that show. Yeah. Adore that show and absolutely love it. And uh, I started singing your praises at the table and saying, there's a man I've always wanted to meet. And Rowan said, oh, he's so funny. You'd love talking to him. And I was sitting there thinking, if only there was a way. And, then, <laughs> and he said, you idiot. Ask him to do your podcast. And I, I go down a shame spiral of, well, he won't do th- he won't do it. <laughs> when it comes time to say how he feels about being my friend, he'll say, I feel blank. Yes. You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, spot on. And, and, I'll, and I'll be filled with shame. Yeah. And, so, and then I reached out to you. He mm. gave me your email. And I personally reached out. I took the chance and said, would you do the podcast? This was, by the way, six years ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pre, pre-Perry Mason. <laughs> I knew you would eventually play Perry Mason. Yeah, I love the long no. game you play. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I see that I play always 65 chess moves ahead. Yes. No, I knew, was very excited to talk to you, and then uh, I sent you uh, a, uh, an email, and you wrote me a hilarious email back, and I thought, oh, I've got to contrive a way to make Matthew Reese my friend against his will, and I think I've done that now. It's worked. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. 
And I hope we meet again. Take care. It's been nice having you. <laughs> thank, Goodbye. No, thank you so anyway, much. Anyway, that was Matthew Reese. And trust me, that's about as much as you'd want to hear from this man. Notoriously dull, really, a, and a cruelty underneath. Yeah. That uh, no one ever, you know, I had to sit here and listen while they were, you were only on the line for about five minutes bef- with my staff before I entered the room. I'm shaved and powdered before each podcast. I can see. And, uh, uh, thank you. And, uh, but I heard you just being cascaded with how much everyone loves the Americans and they, they love Perry Mason and just how thrilled everyone is to talk to you. And I was filled with envy, envy <laughs> and rage that no, one's, no one in this group is ever that happy to talk to me. <laughs> no. So much excitement about you. Yeah, that's the Irish in you. They've always, always been envious of the Welsh, I think. <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you something. There's something more exotic to me about Wales than Ireland. And I know I risk I know I risk pissing off all the Irish. Yes. But we're a dime a dozen in this country. But Wales uh. and that and that incredible timber that you all have in your voices and I'm assuming it's all of you. I'm assuming it's the men and the women walking around with Richard Burton heads yes. talking to each other. That's, that's exactly how it is. <laughs> Singing. When a baby's born, it has a full Richard Burton at 50 head. Yes. It's, inc- <laughs> it's incredible. And if it doesn't, they force it to start smoking. <laughs> Goo. Yes. Goo, I say. <laughs> yes, drink your tar. <laughs> but you know, the Irish, We, like I say, we're just, oh my God. Enough with the Irish. I'm not out there on St. Patrick's Day cheering on the Irish. I'm, I'm hiding in a corner saying I'm sorry. But I do think, my God, the Welsh and, and Wales, such a romantic place. And so many terrific actors uh, and, and so many talents have come from there. And I just think of, I think of uh, how that's where I need to be. That's the climate I need to be living in. My assistant will tell you, I cannot, I'm living in Los Angeles Mm -hmm. and I don't belong here. It's killing me. Mm. The sun, uh, people walking around with V-shaped torsos (laughs) and uh, people (laughs) with teeth and I don't belong here. I'm supposed to be back in Ireland. Yes, with rickets. Yes, yes. with with rickets. Teeth are to be shed. (laughs) (laughs) We were always told. (laughs) But don't you, I mean, at least you're living in, you're living in Brooklyn, is that correct? Yes, so I get get my fill of kind of grey drizzle, which is, you know, which is like, Crack cocaine to a Celt, so I yes. I am I am lucky when you know when that kicks in I sort of come alive. But the summer months are, are certainly challenging for me. Now I'm told that you uh, you had to evict a teenager from his room yeah. so that you could come into the room yes. and uh, join me on this Zoom call and be part of this podcast. Yes. Uh, did you ask beforehand if you could use this sacred space? No, it was, uh, there was a small breakdown in communication. I'd spoken to his mother about it. I hadn't necessarily spoken to him. He famously and notoriously has the strongest signal in the house, which is mm. why I, ev- I evicted him. But he sadly, I assumed as I've done on a daily basis that some kind of communication would be relayed to the children. It hadn't. So I burst in and threw him out. <laughs> and uh, I'm, so it sounds like you weren't maybe the most gentle about evicting your no. son from the room. No. Now, what about uh, his reaction to you? I'm sure he said, uh, father or pater, or I don't know what the Welsh equivalent is. Uh, I, I understand your needs and I vacate this space in your honor. Is that, is that what he said? You're very close. You're very close to his exact wording. It was an Olympic level dismissal from, from, from him. Mm-hmm. Very little was said. There was, you know, the classic eye roll, a tut, 
and a bit of a shuffle, uh, and then he called me Dick under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> but he said it in that lyrical way, yes, that poetic way. Yes, it was. It was as if he was channeling Dylan Thomas. It was remarkable. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the word Dick in the original draft of it, a child's Christmas in Wales. Yeah. I think Dick is used nine times. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're spot on with the numbers there. However, <laughs> three times are referencing Uncle Richard. <laughs> and one time, Uncle Richard's dick. That's he goes right. out of his way. <laughs> yes, yes. He had a pass. He had a pass. Everyone thought, oh, we see what he's doing. And then he went out of his way to stuff it up our asses. Yeah. I see what he's doing. <laughs> Uncle um, Richard. Tell me about you. Uh, I'm... I'm I, I very much want to know, you grow up in Wales and something at an early age, you must realize you have ability, you have talent. I've talked to many people in the UK or Celts and they say that they watched a lot of American television. That was the same with you as well. True. Very true. However, the, the Welsh, as opposed to the Scots, the Irish, uh, the Cornish and the Manx, if you want to go, get into it, they, ha- they have this one element. There's a, the art in Wales, an incredibly revered and, and um, encouraged, especially in youth. So twice a year, there's this national festival where all school children have to compete being it in uh, in poetry, in dance, in poetic recital, in and it, and it, this thing dates back kind of pre to pre Christian age. So there's always this very big onus, especially the Welsh speaking Welsh, of this thing called the Esteddfod, which is this enormous festival twice a year where you're kind of pushed, kicked onto stages and. Mm-hmm. forced to perform. It's like being a hockey player in Canada. The, it, when you're in the fetal stage, they yeah. give you a stick and you have to do it. This is the same for Wales. It's you have to get on the stage. We have to see what you've got in you. Can you do it? But the, what are you watching at home? When you go home and you watch television, was our awful crap from America seeping through <laughs> this brilliant, wonderful culture that you had? <laughs> yes. So that's, that's what I Good. think. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, see? You win. <laughs> Yay, yes. American crap. <laughs> yes, done it again. End of podcast. Uh, see, that's that's what it is. So at four o'clock, we go home and we watch Airwolf, Baywatch, The A-Team, Stasky and Hutch. Um, Jesus, what Starsky else? and Hutch. You were watching really old stuff. I mean, but the, uh, you're a young man, so you were watching Starsky and Hutch maybe 30 years after we had made it. Yes, and you know we we would <laughs> we would obviously have to get we would have to absolutely jump on some form of livestock right down to the village hall where it was hand cranked on a projector screen, and, <laughs> and two Welsh people kind of shouted what they thought might be the audio. <laughs> <laughs> Those are, you should write your own child's memories of Wales yes. that are all about you uh, riding a large hog yes. down the road to the local, uh, you know, cinema, what do they call it? The Cinemadrome. Yeah. Where someone pulls a crank and you all watch Stursky and Hutch. Yes, with no sound. With no sound. Yes. Which I'm told is the way to watch Stursky and Hutch. I would agree. Did you, did you think when you were watching that, obviously, uh, you'd, everyone's trained for the stage and you're so well aware of uh, all the great Welshmen that have, that have conquered the screen. Were you thinking, uh, I've got to get to America, America's where I want to go, or were you quite happy to stay where you were? Well, the, the, there's this kind of strange dichotomy because, because yes, we have this huge kind of stage uh, history and, and uh, you know, everyone... Everyone's aware of it. Everyone does it. And then to a point when I finally decided, you know, to kind of try and give it a go professionally, my parents were like, no, 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 this is what you do 
for fun. This is your part. This is your part time. You don't do this professionally. So, but what America held was this. It was incredibly exotic. You you owned the cinema and you owned television. You owned those two mm-hmm. mediums, and with that became came this incredible kind of exoticism, if that's a word. And and it was something very other, something so strange. So the the lure of of America and especially Hollywood was was enormous to me because the stage is what I knew. But those elements are what was very other to me. I've loved your work uh, in The Americans, and I love Perry Mason. It is somewhat ironic to me that you have this fantastic uh, accent. You've had to do an American accent for most of this very visible work that you have. And Mm. I was thinking, you're getting to the point soon where I really feel like you can say, look, whatever role I play, I use my accent from now on. (laughs) I don't care what if I'm Ronald McDonald. selling hamburgers, it's going to be in the, with this beautiful Welsh accent. And no one can say anything at this point, Matthew. You no. could do that. You could demand that. I've been demanding it for years. No one has listened. <laughs> this just might well, be the turning point. Yes, yes. Now that you've secured me, long believed the most powerful person in show business. <laughs> oh, God. I don't That's... know why anyone would laugh at that. I have been around a long time and I have the power to get an email. <laughs> I had the power to get Matthew's email. Yeah. Seems like a robotic response that may well have been a bot. Yes. I still... <laughs> were, you, were you slightly disappointed that it was an AOL account? I was. Yes. I was. Is that why you sent the telegram? Yes. Yes. That's why I sent the telegram. And then I didn't understand why you needed my American Express number, but I was... I happily handed it over. Yes. I, I thought this is a true friend. It was very, very kind of you. But, uh, you know, it's... I, I had... An experience years ago, I was taping a comedy piece uh, on the set of House with Hugh Laurie, hmm. and it was, I think, for the uh, for the Emmys. And he needed to be Doctor House, and uh, so Hugh Laurie on the set, he had a one of his, I think, it was lighting one of his lighting people or a cameraman spoke up who was also from England, but he was using his accent. And Hugh Laurie said, you've got to stop doing that, Nigel. It throws me off. (laughs) Don't do that. And he said that he had, he told me quite candidly that he had banned, I'm making up the name Nigel. I can't remember, but I think it'll do. He was wearing an an RAF costume. Uh, And I I said, the long scarf. Smoking a pipe. But, you know, he said, Nigel, no, cut it out. Stop. Because I've got to stay in this American accent. Mm. You must have that same situation where, I mean, does it ever get just bloody tired that you have to say, come on, let's get out of here. Yes. We got to tell that dame what she's up to, you know? <laughs> Not really, because, and, and it was never more so than in, in Perry Mason. Um, what I always did as a kid was gr- growing up on, in, in, the, in the backyard or on, on the schoolyard with your friends is you're impersonating Americans. You're always impersonating mm-hmm. an American. No one, I don't know, I've said this before, but no one, you know, goes onto the schoolyard to play Downton Abbey. It's not, it's not, what, it's not <laughs> like, no, no, I'll be the servant. I'll be the servant. No, no, I, I want to be the servant. Yeah. So, so my, my vivid memories are of like, of, of friends of mine doing these terrible American accents. I remember going, that's a, that's a fucking terrible American accent. <laughs> you can't be B.A. Baracus with, with an accent like that. 
I do pity the fool, I tell you. Yes. <laughs> try I it. pity the ch- I pity the chap. Yes. Try it. Nigel, get out. <laughs> Why is Nigel always showing up? He's oh, on the playground. Yes, he's everywhere. You can smell the tobacco smoke from his pipe. <laughs> damn, damn him. So who are you pretending to be? Are you, but it, tell, are you pretending to be American uh, movie stars you yeah. know, from the past? Yes. Who, who, who did you like to channel? So well, the, so he, this is a da- this is a danger for me sometimes because I, I I attribute it to my my parents are very musical and I think a musical ear will always help you in, with accents, but sometimes in the early days in LA when I was going in for an audition and and, and the accent wasn't quite working I would just try and impersonate person uh, people and the person I always went to was was George Clooney which is kind of dangerous because mm-hmm. he has a very distinct speech pattern um, right so sometimes you the danger was you'd you'd fall into impersonation and mimicry as opposed to kind of trying to generate something organic. But then when it came to Perry Mason, actually the Americans was the greatest, well, the greatest job any, any act, non-American actor can ask for in that he was, I was playing an alien pretending to be American. My, yes. If my accent yes. ever failed, I would just go, well, he's, he's not American. He's Russian. So shut up, Nigel. Then in, in Mason. In he's, 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 he's from Russia by way of Wales. Yes. Yes. So don't, don't tell me. And then in Perry Mason, it was like, there was a, such a, an enormous amount of, of boyhood fantasies coming alive where I, I had a trilby on, I had a cigarette, I'm flicking the cigarette and I'm trying not to impersonate Humphrey Bogart because some of those lines, which I blame Mr. Jones for, was that he would kind of, you know, they would pepper it with this 30s speak, this talk. Yes. And yes. you'd hardly go, now listen here, sweetheart, you know? So it was hard <laughs> It was hard not, not to do that. You had to kind of remind yourself as an actor to try and make him a real person. You know, I have to say, I have, uh, no one's ever been interested in seeing me act, uh, but I have to say, like you, you know, when I watch Perry Mason, I think this is the kind of role that would bring out the child in me so much because you're wearing the fedora, you've got the beat up leather jacket with the tie and you're smoking and you're drinking scotch it's. It looks like it would be just such a blast. There, the, I mean, the sad, the sad truth is there are moments where you do think that's every dream you've ever wanted, which is to play those kind of, you know, those Bogart parts. And then when it comes to the moment where you're smoking a herbal cigarette and drinking cold tea, you sort of go, oh, oh, this is disgusting. This is cold tea. It's not whiskey. <laughs> and then you realize yeah, yeah. you just wanted yeah. to be those characters. You didn't actually want to be an actor playing the part. You actually right. wanted to be those people. And that's when I, though I did have that moment. Mason was like, ah, oh, it's not quite, it's not quite what I wanted. Cause I'm still, I'm still just pretending it's, you know, it's as close as you can ever be, but there's still that element. It's like when you, you go shark fishing for the first time and you, you kind of, or, you know, you, you're always pretending to be Robert Shaw in Jaws. Yep. And then you realize, no, I just wanted to be a shark fisherman. I don't, I don't want to be Robert Shaw pretending. Right. I don't even want to be that. I want to be someone who's at the aquarium seeing a shark behind seven feet of glass. Yes. But still acting like I've got the balls of a Robert Shaw. Yes. You know? <laughs> Still acting like, ah, it's you and me, shark. <laughs> well, you know, look at his cold, dead eyes. But it's behind eight feet of glass. Yes. And I'm eating cotton candy. Yes. Completely protected. I think that could be the beginning of something, actually. That, the, the kind of the prequel as to how, how Quint became Quint. He went to an aquarium. Yes, yes. <laughs> With some cotton candy. <laughs> You're lucky for this eight feet of plexiglass. 
Oh, if it weren't for this plexiglass. <laughs> yes. Oh, you'd be dead, Shark. <laughs> and he comes from very wet. His nanny's like, come along. Yes. <laughs> He's just a big... <laughs> Big rich kid. You know, it's funny. One of the things that I, I think plays to a strength of yours is, is you're very, I can tell you're a very funny person or you have a great sense of comedic timing because there's so much about Perry Mason. You are the iconic American heavy, but you're always getting the piss taken out of you. You're always put in humiliating situations. You're always down on your luck. There's a great scene where you've taken dirty photos of a, a film comedian and then he surprises you when you're in a phone booth and he just kicks the shit out of you. It's so great because you're always back on your heels in a way that I think allows you to be, you're admirable, but you're incredibly vulnerable. And you're also, there, there are times when you really are not that admirable. And I think that's, that it, it's fun. It's great to see you do all that. I would, and that, was, that was just a gift that kind of, you know, Roland Jones and Ron Fitzgerald wrote and they said right off the bat in the first meeting they said look we're going to load his bases he's going to be incredibly fallible he's going to do a lot of wrong he's going to do a lot of right we're going to give him a lot of depth and you know he's got he's got a hell of a hell of a journey to go on so i was i was hooked from the the pitch because it was everything it's everything that's fun to do. It's everything that's interesting to do. And they just, right. they wrote it beautifully. And it, it couldn't just all be luck because you're obviously, uh, you choose well, but in the Americans, you're, as you said, you're playing someone who's constantly shape-shifting. Hmm. So to me, the only reason I'd ever get into acting is if I could pretend to smoke a cigarette and if I could wear a wig. <laughs> and you are constantly, you and Carrie are constantly wearing wigs. Yeah. They're, some of them, sometimes they look like high school production wigs, but- you still managed to pull it off because it's realistic that you'd have a 1980s wig. You wouldn't have the Mission Impossible wig. No, I, and that was <clears throat> that was kind of the beauty and the fun and the kind of maddening elements of it is like, you know, there, there wasn't much of a, a wig budget. So we had this in, incredible, you know, hair designer who had basically a box of wigs that she would that she would pull out and then she would try, try and put it on Carrie's head and then she would try and put it on my head. And if it fitted us both, if she could work it onto both our heads, it would be a keeper and it would like kind of throw it into a box. <laughs> I swear to God, there were wigs we... Sh- that'll be the title of my book, like wigs we've shared. There was yeah. one wig we called John Denver because it looked like John Denver's hair. And it was... That was the wig we more more times in the Americans than any other wig. And we had the woman from the CIA come in to kind of... Who did the disguise of the CIA and she was like, you kind of got both elements because some of them should... Like all the wigs that the CIA ever used were terrible wigs because they were only right. to be used from afar. Like you would never use a wig if you were getting close with, you know. A, right. So you kind of got that element. But then you do have a number of wigs that are far too good that we would never use. We'd never use the lace and all of that. So, we, you know, we, we, were, we were touching all the bases. But we did have, we did have a lot of fun. It, the, all the fun came in, in the wig fittings where you would try and give yourself as many characters in the makeup room given that one wig before you had to step out onto set and be all serious again. Right. It would explain why occasionally, uh, because you were sharing a wig, your character, though male, was wearing a beehive hairdo. Yes. (laughs) And then I'd go to work. (laughs) NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, into one platform. And one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, 
You reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. <laughs> I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not that's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it in Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. 
You come from, would you say, outdoorsy people? Would you would you say that your parents were? I, I'm trying to get a picture of are these are these people that like to get outside and take a trek through the hills, or is that something that's just in my imagination that people are doing in Wales? <laughs> is anyone doing that? Is anyone taking a trek through the hills? No. Oh no. Did you have- Hill farmers, that's about it. Okay. It rains a lot, so most people are in the, indoors on electronics. Oh, no. well, that ruins everything. No, you, no. Really, you wouldn't? Come on, tell me you didn't used to strip to the waist, uh, and you and the other lads would hike up a hill, the side of a hill and go to the bog. <laughs> yes, well, of course, and then, you know, we'd wrestle, and then, you know, at hay, haying time, you know, we'd be scything, we'd be scything swathes, vast swathes of grassland into, into hayricks. And then there'd be cider and more wrestling. <laughs> well, this is the title of your book, Cider and Then More Wrestling. <laughs> yes. That's the title. We're going to, you know, sharing wigs is another yeah. way to go, too. Uh, I'm just, I'm yes. Just... No, we did. We, we had, a, you know, childhood-wise, we were, we, we were very lucky. My mother kind of hails, <laughs> this, sounds, this sounds ridiculous, or Melvillian. My mother hails from a long line of sailors on her side. So in summertime, <laughs> in the summertime, we would go, you know, we would go and play play around on on boats, you know, and then my father's from a big farming family. So then, you know, we, I, I joke, but we, there was a lot of times we were packed off to the farms to kind of, you know, we say we helped, we were more of a hindrance, but yes, I always loved, uh, I mean, listen, in my mid forties, are they a bit rose tinted and halcyon <laughs> at this point? Yes, they are. But we did kind of, you know, spend long summer, summer holidays on, on the farms in Wales. Now, do you feel at all that you have a responsibility. You have a, do you have a four-year-old? Is that right? I do. A four-year-old. Do you ever feel responsible to, oh, I've got to get him to Wales so he experiences what I experienced? Do you ever feel like you've got to do that? I do. Enor- enormously. I, it, 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 you know, it, it's like a Celtic weight. You know, you know, everything is, everything is problematic for the Celt, I think. But I do, I feel, I feel especially because Welsh is my first language growing up and, and the language itself as I watch my parents uh, who fought and campaigned incredibly for the language to survive, it was, in, it, was a, it was in danger. It's only just been kind of taken off the UNESCO, you know, endangered language list. So I felt, I felt, I feel this incredible responsibility, especially about the language. I only speak to him in Welsh, <laughs> the poor, poor thing. He, he, You're kidding, no, really? That's he, such, it's such... Yeah. Uh, okay. You are kidding. Because no, such I'm not. A, I'm, I mean, it, I'm serious. You're not kidding. No, I'm speaking to him every every word of Welsh, which is why he thinks he's still in some kind of Tolkien novel. Bless him. Uh, yeah, you could just tell him it's Dothraki. Yeah, uh, <laughs> his friends can think it's Elvish. Yeah. Uh, it is a very. I mean, when I've heard that language, and it's the same thing. I'll say this, the same thing with uh, Celtic. Yeah. When I hear it with Gaelic, I think that's not. Someone just took a bunch of consonants mm. and put them in a paper shredder yeah. and mixed them up, yeah. and they're having a laugh at us. Yeah, well, you that's, know, that, we we joke that the English snuck in one night and took all our vowels. <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards! They've done it again. They've got the A and the E, bastards! <laughs> or they're going it. over the hill. Yeah. They've got an A in a sack and an yes. E in a sack, and yeah. they're going over the hill. Yeah. Ah! No, I I grew up in. As I said, a completely Irish house, and our grandmother lived with us, and she used to just talk about uh, the English. Uh, and I'd be like, 
you know, Marty, that was 200 years ago. Ah, those <laughs> bastards. Yeah, that, that never goes away. It was 800 years ago for us. We still talk about it. I remember uh, my passing my grandmother's room in my house, very crowded house, a lot of kids, and I passed her room and she was watching uh, the movie Cromwell, Ooh. which was made in the 60s. Yeah. And I want to say, was it Richard, Richard Harris? Harris? Yeah. Richard Harris yes. and Cromwell. Yes. And so it's Cromwell who famously was no friend of the Irish. No. And I just heard her watch, watch, she was just watching it going, oh, damn him. <laughs> damn him. And I'm like, he's an actor playing someone who, who existed hundreds of years ago. <laughs> damn him. She may, Damn him. She may well have been talking about Richard Harris and some slight she yeah, had exactly. back in the old country. <laughs> she had had a torrid affair with yes, Richard Harris. Yes, 70 years earlier. Yes. It hadn't gone well. No. But then to be fair, we would turn it to Starsky and Hutch and she'd, she'd say, Damn them. <laughs> Damn them. <laughs> Where was this? I'm trying to get an image. Uh, I was living in, uh, uh, right outside Boston, Massachusetts. Right. And this is... Uh, Back in the seventies, and um, your grandmother, a, your grandmother was from Ireland. No, no, she was not from Ireland. That oh. was just it. My people came over. Oh, that's right. You know, she they came over. You know, they waited for this. I think for the Civil War to be over, so that they would. Because back in the Civil War, they when an Irish person would show up, they would basically just put them in a cannon and fire them. At the south. <laughs> that was the main weapon we had. Was, yes. Oh, they're shooting more Irish at us. Yeah. Uh, and so they, I think they waited it out. And then the minute that got sorted out, they said, uh, let's come here and let's spend a few generations growing uh, someone who can be on television whenever that's invented. Yes. And act like an ass. And uh, The long game but again. But my grandmother still, I mean, I think she was born in 1890. So she had a long memory of Protestants bullying her at school and Ooh. things like that, which, yeah. and she would tell me, look out, look out, the Protestants are going to get you when you go to school. And I think, <laughs> oh, for, what are you talking about? My, my teacher is, you know, got it wearing a dashiki, you know, is <laughs> from Africa. Like I go to a very liberal public school. <laughs> what are you talking about? No one cares about that shit anymore. Uh, and then I was beaten with a stick. Well, of course, <laughs> by a nun probably. Yes. Well, she would dress as a nun and hit me. Just so it all yes. felt above board. But no, I, I feel the same way where my, my children are growing up in, at least you're growing up in Brooklyn. My kids are coming of age in Los Angeles. Mm. And I think I, this is not... I feel like I'm betraying my genetic commands. Mm. You know, I feel like it should be raining out. Mm. We should be inside. Your mother and I should be bickering. Instead, we're getting along. <laughs> it's sunny out. People are getting, uh, are being adequately, uh, you know, their emotional needs are being met. This has no bearing <laughs> no. on how I grew up. No, where's your wife from? Uh, what, are you dr- wife- what are you drinking, by the way? What is that? Uh, well, it's an exotic drink we have here. It looks it. It's, pr- it's called... Diet Coke. You know what I wish I had done? I wish I had lied right now. I wish I had said it was bourbon. Or Guinness, yes. Oh, I love Guinness. So do I. I love Guinness because if you don't have time to eat a whole loaf of pumpernickel bread, someone has taken the time to grind one up in a blender and turn it into alcohol. Yes. And then you can have it. Yeah. And people think you've got hair on your chest. Yeah, the soup of kings. Um, you could probably get a free, you know what you could get? You could get a Guinness tap in your home. All you have to do, Matthew, is say, I sure like Guinness. And they were going to set up a Guinness tap in your house. There's one thing I could wish for apart from world peace. It would be a Guinness tap in my house. (laughs) You heard it here first, Guinness. Get on it. Matthew Reese wants a Guinness tap in his home and it will remain there for three hours 
until someone else in the house makes him take it down. Slauncher, <laughs> yes. But what three hours? They will write books on those three hours. <laughs> That's quite a beard you have uh, right now. It's Thank really you. fantastic. Yes. You, you look like an Orthodox uh, Jewish man. Uh, you, look I was you, going it's, for. it's a very impressive beard. Thank you. Thank you. I just wondered if I could do it. It's not actually real. This came with me from the Americans. Before. <laughs> I was going to say, there's yes. a string in the back. Yes, yes. It comes off very quickly. Uh, it's, just, it's just my lockdown locks. I just, you know, during these turbulent times, if there's one thing we'd ever be allowed to do is, is grow a beard. So I'm going to have a go. I, uh, I think it looks fantastic. Thank you I very decided much. to let the hair grow. I can uh, see. I had a beard see. once before, and I'm becoming a, a very attractive, I think, female <laughs> pop star from about 1973. Ooh, give me another clue. Give me another clue. Uh, let's see. Um, I'm currently. I'm about to date. Uh, in a few years, I'll date. I'll date Scott Bale. <laughs> Wait, from Scott Bale from... Um... Johnny Loves Chachi, Happy oh, Days. Oh, oh, right. He then became conservative. I think now he's Ooh. a big Trump supporter. Ooh! Was that, oh, that was you saying, yay, Trump, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. That's it exactly. I knew it. Yes. Wait, who People's, are you? Who are people, you? What, pop, what 70s pop star are you? No, I was making, I don't know. I oh, was, I was, damn, I was enjoying that as well. <laughs> you really got me then. I was, I was in over my head. I was here. I was intimidated. Oh, I was, stop. Uh, I was writing checks with my mouth that my ass couldn't cash. <laughs> Which is not a saying anywhere. It is now. You heard it, it now. Here. Thank you. You heard it here first, Guinness. <laughs> Guinness, by the way, get on it. Yes. I will get you all the information. We've yes. got to get a tap installed in Matthew Reese's home. Slauncher. And, uh, you know, yes. And if Conan gets one too, well, that's your business. Yes. But Matthew Reese first, then Conan. Yeah. Um, no, I would... Uh, I would very much love to someday have a Guinness with you. You know what I wish? I wish I was from Wales. I, <laughs> I really do. I think it adds so much. I think there are actors out there that pretend to be from Wales because they think it adds credibility. Well, I'm one of them. No, no, you are really from <laughs> no, Wales. No, I'm not. I'm from Surrey, I, just outside England. <laughs> just outside London. I looked, it up. I looked it up on his website. Ice Cube says he's from Wales. That's I know, story. I know. I've had a go at him about that because I, I, keep, I keep tweeting him saying, which part? Which part? Ice. <laughs> Spell ice in Welsh. <laughs> I just think it's wrong what he's doing. Yes. I don't, I don't, I don't respect it. Masquerading. I don't respect it. Yeah. Are you, guy, are you trapped in your home or are you able to get out at all? Are you able to travel to some other safe place during COVID? Help me, I'm trapped. Okay, I'll get you out. <laughs> yes, I'm very- Here's what I'm going to do. Yes. I'm going to dress up as a Guinness tap delivery man. Brilliant, brilliant. And I'm going to show up at the door and I'm going to go, ah, oh, so good. Just, now, my accents yes. are not as good as yours, no. Matthew, so come, let's come. not judge. Come, come, come. come. Please, please, yes. just be patient. Ah, oh, so this is Matthew Reese I'm talking to. Ah, oh, oh, Jesus, Mary, I'm Joseph. Oh, Matthew, I, could you help me? Could you help me? The tap is rather heavy. Could you, the cake too. Could you come in the back of the truck yes. and help me get it out? Yes, yes, you only have one arm for some reason. Let me, I'll back in first, like the woman in Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Shut the door. I drive you out of state. Yes. And we're Harry won't care. No, and we're we're wasted by the time we get to New Jersey. By the time <laughs> we get to New Jersey, we're in the back. I'll have a driver. He'll drive us. Yes. You and I will sit in the back drinking Guinness. Singing Pogue songs. Yes, Pogue songs. The sunny side of the street. The sunny side of the street. 
What's the other one? A curse upon you, Oliver Cromwell, who raped our motherland. I hope you're rotten down in hell for the horrors that you sent to Ireland. It's for fathers. I can't remember there. I love. Oh my god. Oh my god. There's also. Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, <laughs> Wait, stop! That's any, that's any Irish no, song. No, I'm gonna keep it going right now. Uh, darn it! What's the one? Are your daughters from the White House? Are they from the Five and Dime? I think my I lost my accent towards the end because I had a small, I had a mini stroke. Well, no. Thousands are sailing. It was the dime. I think took you back to America. Oh my God! Oh, yes, what lies? Yes. Well, anyway, oh, uh, I think we're going to be really good friends. I, really I do agree. <laughs> if you would do me a favor, I'll get you hooked up with Guinness. If you tell people I'm from Wales, done. I grew up there. Yeah, and that I was a I was a fierce fighter. Yes, in fact, <laughs> that's why you had to flee to Massachusetts. <laughs> I was such a good fighter I had to flee Well you, see, you know They will make up something Like you killed a man In a binnacle fight and, and his father The gypsy king Owed your father money Something like that And then you took off To Massachusetts Okay good I got it Easy. I got it I like it well, I like well, it a lot I'll tweet this If you later. could get that word out yep. there Consider This it. would help me A lot with my What we call street cred Yes I've On heard. this side of the pond I've heard of that well, you've got plenty, trust me. Give me uh, we have a mutual acquaintance, a Mr. Tom Hanks, who you uh, uh, worked with beautifully in A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yes. Isn't he a lovely man? Uh, just, I mean, ethereal. I've never met, you know, everyone's always going, now find out what he's really like. See what the real Tom Hanks persona is. And I came back and I said, it's more than you think it is. I, I mean, I listen, right. sorry to turn into the sycophantic actor, but he was he was above and beyond anything I could have imagined. Yes, he is. Uh, he's one of those people who yep. uh, I've sung his praises before. But I've when I was a writer at Sound Out Live, a, a wee lad, uh, he he would come on the show, and, and so I've known him for many, many, many uh, years, and never seen him be anything uh, less than angelic. Except, oh, I think I have his Achilles heel. Oh. I think he's competitive in a game. Is I think he? in a game, he's quite competitive. And if you can lure him into maybe slightly losing a parlor game, Ooh. a vicious prick may come out. Who <laughs> is Tom Hanks? Did Good. something it's possible. Right. I don't know. I've heard tell. Right. He's a horrible man. Yes. As you know, he's a terrible man. Let's start the rumor here. Uh, yeah. That'll take up only, it'll pick up 40 years for people to believe it. Yes. You, there's a saying, I, I read this, I don't know if it's true, but when you won the Best Actor Emmy in 2018, narrowly beating me out for the role of Kippy yeah. yes. in A Girl's Christmas. Uh, uh. <laughs> you, uh, you wanted to say something uh, in Welsh at the end uh, of your acceptance speech, but uh, you forgot and you didn't do it. What was that you wanted to say? Are you allowed to tell me? Oh, yes. It was just a simple, you know, it was a simple thank you to my parents. Uh, and there were other, I you know, uh, there were all these things I wanted to say to the, to, the, to the people of Wales or, you know, just to the kids of Wales. Uh, everything you're kind of, what I touched upon earlier, everything you're kicked onto the stage to do, sometimes it pays off. That's all I wanted to say. But then uh, when you're there, there's a jumbotron. You get up, they give you the Emmy and there's a jumbotron and it has 45 seconds on it and it counts down. So you become, you know, as well, you know, slightly mesmerized with the counting. And then when it gets to one, they start flashing in these giant letters, stop talking. Stop oh. talking. And and it's kind of crippling in, in a way. Well, it crippled me, which is why I got off. Yeah. 
I have that same sign. Yes. It's in my home. Does your wife? For anyone who's being. <laughs> yes. <laughs> my wife hates it. <laughs> but she'll say, well, I'd like to say something that happened to me. And then I, I borrowed one from the Emmys. Yes. And it's just this giant. No, and it's terrible because I do wish they would differentiate between people who can and should speak and people who we all know probably should keep it short. Yes. You're someone who should be, I will say this. I started uh, my show- uh, the television show in America, the late night show in 1993. Good God. And I have, I know, I am, as you can tell, yes. in my late 70s, yes. but very well preserved. Yes. And I, but what I have, have said over and over and over again is that my favorite guests tend to be from somewhere around the UK or you, because there is a culture there of speaking something that, and, and telling stories and being entertaining, and it's almost mandatory. It's in the culture. And I've had an experience where I was, uh, I've, I've, I've been in parts of the UK, and I've been around some very funny comedians, professionally trained funny people, and then the funniest person will be the guy who's operating the elevator at the hotel. He's funnier than any of us. And I think there's something, I don't know what it is, but there really is something magical about that culture. And I think sometimes American actors, and tell me if you think I'm wrong, they feel that they need to be difficult to speak to. Maybe it's something James Dean and Marlon Brando started where it's kind of cool to be looking down, monosyllabic, chain smoking, and they don't understand that uh, no one was cooler than Richard Burton or Richard Harris, or Peter O'Toole, or any of these people that would come on a show and just blow you away with their mm. wit and mm. their storytelling. Well, th- th- those to me were the heroes, you know, O'Toole, Harris, Burton, th- those are the men I grew up watching and kind of taking a greater fascination in, in, their, in their talk shows, because as, how, many, how, how many times did you have O'Toole on the show? Well, I don't think I, I don't think we ever had Peter ah. on the show. He was banned. Why? Uh, I just didn't like him. <laughs> yes. No, I'm kidding. I'm yes. Kidding. I, I, you know what I thought? I thought he could have done better in Lawrence of Arabia. I and, thought uh, so. But then he just I, had the nose job. So yeah, that, exactly. That was, that was, I thought he had phoned it in yeah. with Lawrence. Yes. And um, I was going to give him a chance uh, after um, The Last Emperor. And then I thought, eh, let's eh. see what else he's got. Yeah. And then he passed away. No, I just never had the good fortune to have him on the show. We had Richard Harris. How was he? I, he was... Just absolutely delightful. Mm. I remember at one point he was telling a story and it was so funny. We all exploded in laughter and he pushed his talk show chair back and it almost went all the way over and I had to grab it to stop him from going all the way over. Like his feet were up in the air, just magical. Yeah. And, and it really is something that I believe is in the culture where there's no such thing as, well, I'm an actor and I'm really cool and so I don't entertain people. I become a character and I take it very seriously. Mm. There's this notion that you can be both. I you agree. Can be a great, you can be a great actor and you can be the funniest person uh, at the table. Like I said, referencing those men I, I grew up with, I, I was always aware that every element of this incredible business has to be kind of, you know, attacked with the same... Same level of professionalism, same level of energy. Like if you're accepting an award, fortunate enough to accept an award, giving a speech, talking in public, it, they're all the they're all the same element mm-hmm. to a degree. Yeah. So yes, I think there's a there's certainly a long line of that in the damp 
I feel that way when I'm when I'm at a restaurant. I feel like I need yes. to be entertaining for the waiter. You've seen that, Sona. Yes. It's yes. And they often say, "You're, you're not at trial, Sona." You're. <laughs> yes, that is correct, sir. Do you find that? Do you find that? Do, are you very aware of that? Do you find that very exhausting? No, sadly, I don't. I find it very uh, natural. I like to try and I, if left completely alone in a parking lot at three o'clock in the morning, if one person wandered in and we started chatting, I would really try to uh, give them a good time. Mm-hmm. I just illness. said I'd like to give a stranger a good time in a parking lot. <laughs> yes, you did. That's how, how, how we all got started. <laughs> <laughs> That's how some of us are finishing up. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, Matthew, this has been as delightful as I was hoping it could be and imagined it would be. Agreed. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this so much. And I, like I say, you were the first and only person that I have reached out to myself Honored. and said, please do, please talk to me. And pre- <laughs> please talk to me and please pretend to be my sh- my friend. Yes. Uh, uh, for a- an hour and no pay. Yes. And uh, you been- were- one of my Lovely great, great to say yes. My, one, of, one of my greatest performances, I think. <laughs> <laughs> you, God, God, what an asshole! Yes, yes. Why? Been, why? Why um, at the end of the sixtieth minute? Why? <laughs> <laughs> why would you put the knife in then? Damn his eyes, uh, Matthew Reese. Uh, I bow to you, and yeah. I'm so grateful that you uh, agreed to do this. And. Um, Thank you, and please be well, and I do look forward to a day when uh, we meet in person and you can see what an impressive physical specimen I am. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, I had no idea you were so tall. <laughs> yeah, we were on Zoom right now. Yes, can I can tell, te- te- by, perspi- by merely by perspective of that tiny, <laughs> that tiny desk and that tiny chair that you dwarf so easily. <laughs> you know, I had them made extra small. Oh. And uh, yes, and I'm wearing Pee Wee Herman suits. Oh, that's what it is. Anything to make me uh, see, appear larger. Thank you very much, sir. This was thank- a real joy. It really was, and a great honor. So thank you for the invitation. You know, it's only a matter of time until your check engine light comes on, which could equal an expensive repair bill, and a new engine can cost up to $6,000. Don't I know it. But this is why you need this product I'm about to mention right now. Okay. CarShield. CarShield offers plans with low monthly rates that you can pay for your expensive repairs on your out-of-warranty car, truck, or SUV. It's so nice to have that protection of CarShield. I know. I believe. That's my belief. Some people have other beliefs, maybe religious beliefs. I think CarShield. CarShield plans provide protection on up to 5,000 major parts and systems, including items like transmission, Mm. engine, even your entertainment system. Mm. Just call CarShield and choose the mechanic to do the work. CarShield administrators will handle the rest and save you money. Look, I saw your car today. You've got a beautiful car, but you've got to haul your family around in this car. This is a vital piece of machinery for you. You need Car Shield. I do. And you know, I you know I don't take care of my cars very well. So Car Shield it would definitely come in. You know, and also with their A rating from the BBB, don't ask me. Car Shield is the name you can trust to save you money on covered auto repairs. Now's the time to make the smart choice and protect yourself from the sky high auto repair bills. Visit carshield.com slash Conan. Save twenty percent today. Again, that's carshield.com slash Conan to save twenty percent. Visit carshield.com slash Conan to lock in your price today.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Okay, it's time to meet the second of our golden ticket winners. Feeling self-conscious that we're not giving away cash mm-hmm. or a four by four. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? We're giving uh, away nothing. A four by four? Like a it puts a lot of truck? pressure on the conversation. Yes, that's what a four uh, by four is. What, I know, but what why a four by we, four room you thought we were gonna give them? We would give people a truck. Sure. You get a four by four. Oh, God. We get Will Arnett to come here and go, this beautiful four <laughs> four. You know, whatever. He'd do his thing. What a waste of Will Arnett's time. I think it's the best use of his time. I don't know. Um, all right. Who are we going to meet? Okay. Well, uh, the way this contest worked is you could find a secret message on the podcast, on the television show, or on social media and register to meet you, Conan, uh, along with Sona and myself. And today's guest is Ben from Denver, Colorado. Cool. Let's bring him in. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. Hi. Hey, guys. How's it going? Oh, it's fantastic, Conan. (laughs) How you guys doing? Uh, We're okay. It sounds like you're kind of a little bit crying. (laughs) Yeah. Are you okay, Ben? Yeah. I I, I brought my boys with me here. I'm I'm doing great. I'm just, I just can't believe this is real. This is really happening. Just so to clarify for people who are listening to the podcast, when he said, I got my boys here, he did not take out his testicles. He held up two small dogs. These are my chill chums. Oh, yes. Uh, What are your dogs? Those are two cute little scruffy dogs. What are their names? Yeah. So this is Teddy, uh, but I I was thinking of renaming him actually uh, Katakai. Oh, Katakai. Very Uh, nice. uh, You're in the know. Katakai as God made her. Uh, As dog made him, actually. As dog, yes. There you go. There you go. And then this this guy is uh, Oliver Danger. Oh, my God. Oh, very cool. They're very cute dogs. And I was thinking of renaming him uh, Magooch. Oh, oh, my God. Very nice. Very nice. You know, it is an act of cruelty to rename a dog well into its life. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what's going on, going on in your life? First of all, you're in uh, you're in Denver. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just outside of Denver in Aurora. But I was born and raised in a tiny little two-stoplight town called Clayton, which is uh, up in the Thousand Islands on the Canadian border of New York. Oh, very cool. Wow. Um, We're known for our Thousand Islands dressing. Hey. And the two lights (laughs) in the center of town. 
Yes, exactly. You know what? I love Thousand Island dressing on pretty much anything. I really yeah. love it on corned beef. I like it on anything but a salad. I just, I love it on a sandwich. <laughs> huh. You come from this small town yep. and then you made your way to the big city, Denver. I did. I don't know if you can see my shirt. It says O'Brien's staff on it. Yeah. O'Brien's was the first bar I ever worked at in my hometown. I feel like I was just destined to meet you, Conan. I really do. Aww. Yeah, because it's a very uncommon name. <laughs> uh. <laughs> well, let, let me finish. <laughs> okay. I worked in an Irish pub in downtown Denver for the past four years. Mm-hmm. I met my wife, who has O'Brien's in her family. Oh, my. And my favorite author growing up was Tim O'Brien. Who wrote oh. the things they carry? So, so you, there's a connection here. There's a lot of and, Irishness um, going on. There's a lot of Irishness yeah. going on, and my apologies for that. It's a dark strain. Oh. Um, but no, you guys you, could be related too, because the yeah. last guest we figured out was related to Conan. Well, we, we might don't be. know that we're related. It's, we're we all probably related. are. We're yeah. all related, yeah. sort of. Uh, yeah. You would fit in very easily in my household, although you seem a little more sane than my real <laughs> brothers and sisters. <laughs> ben, uh, I understand big changes are coming in your life. What's happening? Big changes, Conan. Uh, have I got a story for you? When people say that, they usually disappoint. <laughs> oh, Whenever, come on. No, when I'm just telling you, in my life, when people go, Conan, have I got a story for you? They go, so I had a problem with my muffler, and I went to Meineke. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's great. So but the, anyway, I'm sure this will be a good story. You go ahead. All right. So uh, the wife and I, you know, we, uh, we wanted to start a family for, for some time, and we weren't having the best of luck. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is also a bartender and bar manager, but things weren't we weren't really going that well in that department. Mm-hmm. So uh, one day, this this old Irish man walks into her bar and he gave her a uh, a Celtic Irish necklace to wear. The very next day, she called me uh, crying, and I thought something was wrong, but she told me that she thought she was pregnant. Oh, that's and a beautiful story. So Aww. it gets a little bit better, because after about 30 pregnancy tests later at home, we went to the doctor, <laughs> and uh, we found out that our baby is due on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, my, oh my God. God. So, yeah, and unfortunately, this old man that gave her the necklace, he, he recently passed. So it, it kind of has a weird Lion King circle of life vibe to it. So I was wondering, you know, do you believe in the luck of the Irish at all? I do, huh. actually. I do believe in mystical, magical things happening. I know people think that I'm a cynical, hard-edged guy, but I do. That's a lovely story. I wanted to say that I was the old man oh, because if I don't moisturize for two days, I look like a very old Irish man and that I was the one that came in and, and gave that charm. But no, this man has passed on. I don't want to steal his glory. Uh, I think there is some magic to it. I really do. I think I there's do magic too. out there. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a sentimental old softy. Do you have any ideas for uh, the name of this? Did you say it was a, do you know if it's a, the sex of the baby yet? Yeah, it's a little baby girl. We actually just went and got um, a 3D ultrasound yesterday. I don't know if you can see this, but that's- Oh, her. look at that. Oh my God. That is a perfectly formed, fa- that face is more formed than my face. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it no. is. That is a more, that's a beautifully, a, what a beautiful baby girl. I know. You can I'm, see her. And, you didn't finish incubating. I never finished incubating. <laughs> I came out at two months and I just oh, got, no. right, I got, I got a job right away. I got to work. I had an umbilical cord for the first three years of my life. <laughs> um, she is gorgeous. What are you, what are you thinking of uh, naming this girl? Do you have any ideas? This is a good story, right? Yeah. So the story continues. Yeah. My, oh. uh, my wife, uh, a couple years ago, before we were married, she said, I, I have a name for 
were uh, a baby, I had a dream that we had a baby girl and we named her Florence. And um, I looked at her really weird and and she said, what? And I said, do you realize that was my grandmother's name? And she had no idea. Oh, my God. Ben, are you living in a (laughs) rom-com? I know. I know. This is, I feel. I love this. You're. (laughs) Uh, you're going to be played by Ryan Reynolds in two years. Oh, yeah, that's hey. a good one. I wouldn't yeah. hate that. I wouldn't hate that. He's a gorgeous man. And I can say <laughs> that. As a oh, trust man. me. I made out with him on the show once. And <laughs> yeah. That guy, that, I did. I, 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 I saw Remember that? It. And I, that guy can kiss. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I um, uh, I'd was... do him in a minute. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. What, what is happening? Well, I'm sorry. That was for a comedy bit, but you would, okay. Well, yeah. I keep thinking about it. So I thought about <laughs> since. Um, this is a very nice story. I'm, I'm very happy that that your life has taken this this wonderful turn thank you at this yeah. time of year you we're, know we're very excited besides you know this this going in the golden ticket you know this baby has been the be- best thing to come out of uh, yeah this is the second Aww, this is the second best thing when you think about it the, yeah the the baby is this uh florence is the second best thing oh to getting to talk to us which is the first best Conan. thing right, just so right. that our priorities are straight <laughs> that's a love that's a, no it's a really lovely story and i really am now i i'm gonna, we're getting them a baby present oh is that what we're doing <laughs> yes there's not there's not supposed to be any gifts but okay. i'm gonna send you some kind of uh, baby present. Um, yeah, it's actually, screwball whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> we are not sending you any peanut butter flavored whiskey just because the, just because they sometimes buy an ad on our on our podcast. <laughs> we're gonna um, get them a something a sponsor sends. Us. Yeah, no, no, no. Mattress. We're gonna you're gonna get a gift from me. This, this is really this is really sweet. Roman. <laughs> you no, know, you're not getting erectile dysfunction cream. That doesn't seem to be an issue either. Uh, no, we. Uh, uh, we'll take care of this, Sona. I'm really happy for you, Ben. Thank you know, you seem like you seem like a nice guy, yeah. and um, it's nice to know that uh, you're out there. And that, what's your wife's name? Her name's Leah. Leah, Leah. That you and Leah are out there, and that nice things are happening for you. Thank you. And yeah. I know that if it had been a boy, the child would have been called Conan. It just uh, didn't work out yeah. that way. I know. Is, I know. Maybe maybe on the why? next run. No. Yeah. Or if Florence, if you grow tired of that name, Conina, <laughs> since you're into switching names well into someone's life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll table it for discussion with the with the missus. Well, Ben, this was very cool talking to you. My best to you, and 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 uh, tell uh, tell your wife that I'm thinking of her, and we're really happy for her. And uh, yeah, we're gonna send him. We're gonna send him along. This is gift basket I do for my friends when yes. they have a kid, and we're gonna send one of those to Ben. Um, and then I'm gonna charge it to Sona. What? You won't even notice. Uh, Sona, just put it on your Costco card. You'll be honest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he knows more about us than we do. Yeah. <laughs> I listen to you guys when I'm walking my dogs. So uh, every day, right after work, I walk down the street, and people think I'm crazy because I'm laughing to myself as I'm picking up dog shit. <laughs> that's, the, that's the most common complaint we get about the podcast is people say they were at the gym or something and that they were laughing and people thought that they were having a nervous breakdown right. um so uh well ben it was really nice meeting you congratulations and uh build up your sleep now thank you and and sona and Gorley, i love you guys too on the podcast you guys are um a blt sandwich 
Oh my god! Oh, oh very nice. That Can I be, be the bacon? <laughs> no, you cannot. Okay. You're the soggy toast because oh. the tomato got it all soggy. What? So nice talking to you. Good luck. Always nice Thanks, to see ben. you take your shirt off, Conan. Yeah, <laughs> this is for you, Ben. <laughs> Check out these guns right there. Oh my god! All right. Oh wait, there's not. There's no guns in here. <laughs> Do you think there was any chance that I was that old Irish man? There's always a chance you're an yeah. old Irish man. Yeah. And whenever you yeah. meet an old Irish man in a bar, remember. It's probably me making your wishes come true, then faking my death, <laughs> then returning to my podcast. Anyway, he was a lovely guy. He, he was. Very happy for oh, him. he was a sweetheart. Yeah. And for his new family. Uh, yes, yes. Our heartfelt congratulations. And of course, our thanks to State Farm for making this whole golden ticket. I like this. I like talking to fans. I yeah. really enjoy it. It's very meaningful. Um, and so thanks to State Farm. When you uh, want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. O'Brien Needs a Friend, with Sonam Obsession and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Imagine, you just got home from work, dinner is ready, wine is chilled, and your man has offered you 15 minutes of heaven in the form of a foot massage. And then he says, Your tanning session is now complete. What just happened? You found your escape at Palm Beach Tan. Break from the chaos at a Palm Beach Tan near you and leave rejuvenated. Take time for yourself at Palm Beach Tan and take that feeling with you wherever you go. Get up to $25 off your first month featuring Australian gold. Perfect man, not included.